Okay, friends, episode number three of the Grace series. I think I'm actually just calling this Grace Basics because it is the foundational stuff that's core. Now, I want to pick right up where we were in the previous episode. Uh, in fact, I ended with this story from Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 8. And here is the situation uh, that's going on. By the way, while I'm flipping into my notes, uh, if you look down in the show notes below, there are some links for you that could take you to um, you could subscribe to the podcast if you want to take a next step and go deeper in what we're learning about grace. I think the identity series, um, that ebook and that course, the it's all digital, so it's like an instant access type of thing. There's even some videos that you can unlock right there. Those are all below. Uh, I would also encourage you this. I'm going to put an assessment down there. One of the assessments that we have uh, that is related to all of the life lift and purpose resources to, to find and fulfill the reason that you're on this planet, it is actually the disc slash colors profile. And when you choose that, it's going to really unlock some things about your personality and it's going to tell you mirror back some things based on the answers you provided. Here's what, what's really cool about it is on the back side of it, it will unlock a different video about you based on your responses. And so uh, when you, you know, again, do the assessment, uh, it's a quick, you know, score yourself one to five based on about 20 to 25 questions. It's all online. So it's just click, 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 click. No right answers, no wrong answers. It's all just you about how you think, see, and sense, and feel the world around you and how you respond in certain situations. And on the backside of it, it's gonna, again, open up personalized digital training for you. A couple two to three minute videos. Uh, that will help you see uh, who, who possibly in the Bible uh, had this same personality type. And what does it mean in terms of being extrovert or introvert or preferring projects or preferring people? And how does God use all of these you see, I really believe it's grace that, and here's why we're doing this series, that saves you. That's the foundation. But that same grace also created you from before time began and walks you into this purpose that it propels you through. Uh, it's all the same grace. And really, that means that, you know, we all have these unique personalities. I don't think a personality profile or an assessment can contain what God would do in your life. However, I do think that it provides us some clues of how he masterfully crafted and created you uh, to do the very things that he's called you to do, that created you to do. Uh, my, my dad said it like this, uh, you are a unique, unrepeatable miracle of God. Uh, one of my friends, his name's Brandon, says, you were called to create, or sometimes even says you were created to create something that no one else can create. Okay, so called and created to create something no one else can create. And part of that is foundationally to how you were designed, personality and all. And I get it, you know, there's some nature in that, there's some nurture in that. God's going to use it all. 
And so uh, that personality assessment will unlock personalized content to you. And then it will also give you next steps. Hey, what do I learn from here? Or what do I apply from here? And it'll give you another assessment that's uh, another few questions. It's going to start talking about your uh, supernatural gifts and some other things that God's done in your life. So take that absolutely free link is down below in the show notes. And again, the reason I mention it is because everything starts with grace, but it's not like we graduate up from it. We just continue moving in it. Okay, in Nehemiah, there is this story where the children of Israel have been exiled uh, for 70-something years. They have come back. Uh, Remember, Ezra was a key figure in the Old Testament that starts building the temple. Nehemiah is a key figure in the Old Testament that starts rebuilding the city walls around Jerusalem that had been sacked. Now, at some point, the walls are rebuilt and everybody comes out together to rededicate the city and themselves to the Lord. And they read the Old Testament scripture, meaning at that time, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So probably the first five books, probably from morning until noon ish. So from morning until noon, and what's happening is is you got somebody, you can envision this, that's reading it out loud, and there would be thousands of people there. And so some people that taught me this in seminary would say, some of the professors, you know, they would have what were called yellers back then, like yell, Y-E-L-L-ers. Their job is to yell. So somebody reads this. And then there's kind of like a relay guy, like a hundred yards down. He gets it and then he says it and it goes off to another group. And then somebody gets from them and yells it off to another group. Or they would get in a situation where they've just got some natural mountains and some natural uh, land formations that would echo the sound. You know, plus people are accustomed to paying closer attention. But amidst these crowds, there would be priests scattered out, and the priest would, Nehemiah says this, give the common sense explanation of the law. <laughs> so uh, that's re- really what it says in your Bible if you look it up in Nehemiah 8. So you got the guys that's reading the text. He's got the scroll. And then you got, presumably, some guys shouting it off into the distance. And then you got some guys that are there going, okay, let me just kind of commonsensically break it down and tell you what that means. Uh, you know, an example of that would be kind of in the previous episode, I was talking about tattoos and dead bodies and all of that. And what do those laws mean? Hey, let's talk through that. So they, all right. Now what happens is as they get through this law, they realize that their ancestors got sacked and kicked out of the promised land because they had broken some of those laws. But they had, they had not been faithful and obedient to God. And so life just fell apart. It didn't work. And that was what the law said. Hey, if you follow me, you'll stay in the land. If you don't, here's what's going to happen. And so they looked at the law and they go, oh my goodness, that like that's what happened. This explains it. And they realize that they themselves haven't been following the rules that God laid out. And so they start weeping, they start mourning, they're crying, they're grieving. You know, it becomes not a moment of celebration of, hey, we built the walls. 
not a moment of celebration like hey the foundation of the temple is here we're going to start following the word again it is oh gosh we suddenly see how far we've failed we thought we were making progress we've got a lot longer to go than we even thought there's a big gap between where we are and where we want to be maybe you've been there before and if it was religious or if it was even life stuff you thought god is angry and it's leading you to a point of grief and here's what nehemiah says he says no no nehemiah 8 10 go and enjoy choice food now pause when do you enjoy choice food well, we, we do this uh, when you're young. You do this at the prom. Uh, you know, you go to Steak and Ale, if you remember Steak and Ale, or you go to the Olive Garden at Homecoming, or you go to, uh, goodness, what would some of the restaurants of that day be, you know? Uh, as you get older, you're celebrating at weddings. You're celebrating at receptions, at retirements, at all of these pivotal massive moments. You don't eat choice food on days you're mourning and grieving. Uh, you know, you eat, you eat casseroles <laughs> then, if anything at all. But he says, no, 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 go, don't grieve. In light of what you now know, he tells them, don't grieve, go eat choice food. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So what, what is going on? He's shifting their perspective. Hey, you know where you've fallen short. I get it. Like, you, you get it. I, I know where I've fallen short. The people in Nehemiah's day knew where they had fallen short. And so often the idea is that God is out to just, bam, get you. Um, you think about that, though. That's not what we've been learning about the character of the Creator in the previous few episodes here. He's not looking to get you. He's looking to love you and to lift your life to a higher level. You know, I mean, you could look at the perspective Nehemiah is leading them to in that moment is so often, you know, you mess up our tendencies to grieve and hide from God. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Like if you messed up, run to God. Not, I, I, I jacked this up. Oh, I got to, you know, hide and get away. It's, it's like, no, no, no. I messed up. We'll go to my father. Uh, in the last year, one of our kids, he just made uh, a bad decision. I mean, what he did on the scheme of things, uh, just foolish. Yeah, was it sin? Yes. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how bad was it? Yeah, it's like a two. <laughs> it's a two, maybe a three. You know, one, one of our other kids, you know, she found herself in a situation um, it wasn't a two or three, it was probably, it wasn't a ten, it's probably like, I don't, I don't know, a six, seven, I mean, you know, your perspective may change on that. Some people would look at it and go, oh, that's a 10. Some people would go, oh, that's a 
less. But I remember telling both of those kids in that moment because they felt shame, grief, overwhelm like the people in Nehemiah's day. I said, no, 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 like you don't you don't fall from grace. That's a phrase we use in kind of church world or we see it on the media, like this person fell from grace. No, no, no. You fall into grace. Like when you stumble, that's when the grace kicks in. And I told both of these kids, look the boy in the eye. Look the girl in the eye. You know, really, when you mess up, that's when you need your parents, your father, the most. That's when you come in close. You don't say, I messed up, I run away. You say, oh, I messed up, where else would I go for help? Oh, you fall into grace. That's what Nehemiah is leading the people to. That's what we see happen all throughout the New Testament. Let me shift gears a little bit and maybe say it like this. And this is going to sound like a, a, literally an abrupt change in the talk, but I promise you, I'll, I'll bring it back. It's going to sound like I'm going off subject. That's the fear warning, but, but we'll bring it back. If I ask you, New Testament question, where is Jesus taking you? What is he leading you to? The truth is most people would answer immediately and they say, well, Jesus has taken us to heaven when we die. Like Jesus came to take us to heaven. I want you to notice this though. Like here's, here's a verse in the scripture. It's a, it's a chunk of verses, about six. It's red letter if you've got that edition of the Bible. So when you open it up, red letter meaning he said it. So they're recording. Um, if you've ever looked through a Bible, I always wonder when I pick them up. Uh, when I was younger, you know, you go pick it up. Most of the words are black. And then you get into uh, back to the New Testament side. And you go, boy, what, got, what do we got certain letters in like this version right here that I'm flipping through? Certain words in red. And those are where they've highlighted the words Jesus said were in red. So this is red letter right here. John 14, 1 through 6. The New King James Version. Uh, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Um, now notice right there, let not your heart be troubled. That presumes that in some way you and I can control our emotional state. Or uh, maybe we can't control what we're feeling, but we can factor in what we do with what we're feeling. We can filter and control the response and what occurs next. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. Meaning right there, it's close. It's at, it's at hand. It's not some distant, remote thing. Where, where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, let me pause right here before I finish the verse. Uh, the Jews in that day 
referred to Torah, Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The, the, the segments that Nehemiah and Ezra and the priests were reading to the people there that day when they were mourning and wailing, they referred to that as the way, the truth, and the life. So really, Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament so when he's saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he's like, I'm the fulfillment of all that. But also, hey, I came to show you what the Torah looks like when you live it. Like, it, it describes me. It not only prescribed how I would live, but it but also describes what I'm like and what I'm doing. I came to show you all of these things, to take the black ink and portray it in living color, where you could see it, touch it, feel it, hear it, observe it, and take it with your five full senses. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So again, the question, where is Jesus taking us? What did he came to journey us towards and so many people would say, well, he's taking us to heaven. He's taking us to a place. And, and for sure, right here, John 14, 3, he says, I, I go prepare a place for you. And I will come again and I'll receive you so that where I am, you may also be. However, the thrust of this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to heaven except through me. No, it, it says no one comes to the Father. He's taking you and I to a person, a relationship. Now, John continues writing, still red letter, uh, John 14, verse 7. If you had known me, you would have also known the Father. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, Philip, so we've got another guy popping up here in the conversation. Philip, another disciple, said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. So Jesus says, I'm taking you to the Father. Okay, well, show us the Father, and that's enough. Well, you know the Father. You know him. You've seen him. And Philip's thinking, what? No, no, show us the Father. That's enough. Verse 9, Jesus said, Have I been with you so long, yet you've not known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. You see in verse 7, he says, You would have also known the Father if you knew me. Verse 9, He who has seen me has seen the Father. All throughout the New Testament, we get this idea that Jesus absolutely reveals the Father. Colossians 1.15 says he's the image of the invisible God. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says the fullness of the Father, it is in Jesus, and that God was in him reconciling the world back to himself. Hebrews 1.3, he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. John 5.19, Jesus said, red letter, I do what I see the Father doing. John 12.45, another similar verse to that, John 14.9, whoever sees me sees the one who sent me. Do you see, like right here, what we're getting at is that Jesus reveals the Father through, number one, his words, through what he said, and number two, through his deeds, what 
he did. He shows us what God is like. And so when Nehemiah is there and he's preaching to all the people and Ezra is reading the words to all the people and the priests are explaining it all to the people, hey, here's what the rules mean. Hey, here's what that ritual means. Hey, here's what that regulation is here. Hey, let me, let me explain. It's all grace. It's all grace, not grief, because this is what God is like. God is grace. You say, well, how do we know? Well, in the New Testament, we see Jesus, and Jesus says that if you've seen me, you know what the Father's like. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard me talk, you've heard the voice of your Father. If you've seen me do something, you've seen me respond in the exact same way your Heavenly Father responds. So practically think about how he interacted with people. Uh, think about how he interacted with the woman that was caught in adultery when she was thrown at his feet. Think about how he responded when lepers whom no one else would touch reached out to him, even though he could do long-distance miracles and just say a word and heal, which he did. He always touched the leper. Think about people who had been shunned from the temple because of some physical defect or illness or disease like the woman with the flow of blood who pushed through the crowd to touch him. I mean, he felt her when she reached out. That's how in tune he was. Think about how he responded to tax collectors, those people whom everyone else hated. The centurions who ruled over the landscape like warlords, even the thief on the cross who was being executed for a felony, for something high level that he did, Jesus responded in those ways to those people because it's the way your heavenly father, my heavenly father, responds. Jesus reveals God completely and accurately and I know you go, well, God disciplines those whom he loves. He disciplines. I mean, there's a verse in the New Testament that says that, uh, Hebrews 12, 5 through 6, which in the same book says that Jesus is the perfect imprint of God. Hebrews 12, 5, 6, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son he receives. Oh, and in the English language, it just seems so abrasive. It seems like if you were there with Nehemiah's crowd, we would shudder. Yet in the Greek language that this is written in, that disciplining, chasing, it means corrective, shaping, and training. It doesn't mean punitive punishment. It means, hey, I'm going to help, I'm going to help walk you through this, and, and I'm going to show you why that happened and how to do it better and how to even avoid that pain point and that mistake in the future. And you see, like right there, that takes more time that requires relationship that's different I mean goodness I, I you know look back I, I know that in the two episodes that I told you about with kids earlier 
where the boy did something, the girl did something completely unrelated to each other. They just, you know, both of them hit a foul ball. I know I got it right in those two episodes. I also know that I've gotten it wrong in other seasons, other scenarios. It's hard to walk it through. Yet that's the response of your Heavenly Father. That's what we're to model. That's what God's doing here. That's what he's leading us towards. And so often, you know, we hear things that people say about what God is like. And the truth is, if you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. Uh, Pastor Bill Johnson out of Redding, California, Bethel Church said this one time I was out there at a conference years ago. And I remember him taking the stage. I'm flipping through my notes to where I can look at it right here. Even though I remember it, he said this. He said, Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is the perfect study of God. If you want to know what your heavenly father is like, you look at how Jesus responded, what he said, what he did, and then you know what your heavenly father is like. Why? Because to see one is to see the other. Jesus isn't just taking you to a place. He is taking you now to a person. My prayer for you as I sign off is that the Lord would bless you. He'd keep you, be gracious to you, shine favor upon you. May you see him. And as you see his response, may you, as Nehemiah told the people, then who were wailing and mourning because it seemed like things that were going wrong were their fault and sometimes goodness sometimes they aren't sometimes they are but may you see not the silver lining of grace may you see that the entire cloud can be grace grace and peace i will see you again soon